Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now I've done some scary stuff in my life. I've been to war zones. I've been shot at. I've come under mortar attack. I've even interviewed Donald Trump. But nothing prepared me for the most terrifying assignment of all. Could I learn stand-up comedy and make a room full of people laugh? I'm journalist Simon Houston, and this is my journey. And over these eight episodes, I'll be picking the brains of the best in the business as I aim to crack the laughter game. And could I possibly achieve the ultimate goal? Taken to the stage at the world's biggest comedy festival? This is Laughter Unlocked. This podcast from the Scottish Sun is brought to you in association with Harry Corey Interiors for all your home furnishing needs. Visit harrycorry.com or pop into one of our many stores nationwide. Joining me for the first ever episode of Laughter Unlocked are Scottish comedians Fred McCauley and Ray Bradshaw. What can I tell you about Fred McCauley? Well, he started stand-up way back in 1988 and he went full-time five years later. He's a regular face in the television. You'll have seen him on shows like Have I Got News For You, You Think It's All Over, Mock The Week and QI, and who can forget McCoy's to McCauley? Multi-international award-winning comedian Ray Bradshaw became the first comedian ever to win a Scottish Culture Award for his Deaf Comedy Fam, the world's first comedy show ever performed in English and sign language at the same time for the same performer. He sold out shows at festivals all over the world. He's a regular host on Radio Scotland and guest on Sky Sports News. And he's been supporting Frankie Boyle on tour. So I couldn't really ask for better company to get the show on the road. Guys, thanks for joining me. Pleasure. Red, Ray, how are you? Can't help but notice your voice is a wee bit different compared to your questions to the pre-recorded intro. Do you notice that? <laughs> Very Sunday school voice in that one. I liked it. Yeah, I think we, I think we nailed it in what, take 42? <laughs> uh, what did you think of the introduction, Ray? Because I, I, when I heard yours, I was thinking... God, I'd love to be multi-award winning. Yeah. I'd, I love, heard, I'd love I, to have sold out gigs. Yeah, when I heard yours, I was like, I'd love to be in telly. It's like, <laughs> funny, isn't it? Like, we never get enough, no. do we? No, I was like, I'd like to be in QI. Did you yeah. do well at QI? I did. I, I did it six times. And but I'll, I'll tell you one thing, uh, straight off the bat, um, I think it was about the fourth show was the best I, I'd ever done. And uh, I was so confident that it was going to be stratospheric uh, for my career that I invited people around the house to watch it. Aww. And I got the shittest edit you can imagine. <laughs> right? I swear to God, I, I, you know, at one point I thought, well, Merton's going to hang up his gloves after this. I mean, Fred's in town. <laughs> People came around and said, well, you brought us around here for three lines? <laughs> and I'm going, no, honestly, I was funnier than that. Do you, do you always watch yourself back? Very rarely. It was, I mean, it was that important a gig for me. I thought, this is, this is it. And I had a long period between my fourth and my fifth. I, uh, I, the only time I ever watch stuff back is if I think I've cocked up. Yeah. That is the only time just to kind of see. Yeah. I wouldn't really, I, oh, I find it cringeworthy. And also, I wouldn't invite people around to my house for a start. Oh, man, it, was, it really was. It was, uh, I'm off. It's a world tour next. <laughs> This is the last and, you're going to see and, me. And now you're doing a podcast for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, free, kind of. It's what? It's what? <laughs> Fred, 1988, 
So yep. that was the year Ray was born. Yes. <laughs> what do you remember about your first ever time on stage? It was So You Think You're Funny competition at Mayfest. Oh, was yeah. That was, that was your first time? Yep. They'd started it in Edinburgh at the Fringe and then Mayfest decided they would do one and uh, it was fronted by um, Simon Fanshaw and The Observer and I, I just happened to see the thing in the in the paper because I, I took The Observer in those days uh, and you had to send in some of your own material your contact details and he phoned me up at work he said it's Simon Fanshaw and I thought this man won the Perrier yeah. and now he's speaking to me and uh, I got um, a spot in the second heap which was the 19th of May 18th of May was my wedding anniversary and I nipped out uh, in the evening to go and see the first heat did you? I did yeah <laughs> and I couldn't tell Aileen what I was doing I just said, look, I know it's our wedding anniversary, but I'm nipping out, but you, you just need to trust me. It's like not a fair. Yeah. I'm, 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 trying to, I'm trying to do my sums here. Presumably, if it's your wedding anniversary, you weren't like 16. No. He was I, reading The Observer. Of course <laughs> he wasn't 16. I, know, I was 31. <laughs> so do you have an inkling to do it before then? Oh, for, for years. Right, really. okay. Yeah. I mean, I'd wanted to do it. I can remember wanting to do it when I was before I was 20. Wow. Right? Yeah, because I started when I was 19. Right. So yeah, that, I always Jeez. find it interesting when people start later on because... Uh -huh. Uh, I don't kind of get what stopped it. But, but also, I mean, I started in 2008, which is a, what, a totally different comedy environment yeah. to what you started well, there in. there was an environment. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I think I saw you at Broomhill Tennis Club round about then. Yeah, yeah, I was in one of my... In 2009, I think that might have been. So yeah. I, I was in Liverpool so when I started, so yeah. I wasn't back up. Wow, okay. Yeah. That's, that's but, one of the uh, career highlights, Broomhill Tennis Club. Is that the right? place I used to have my school discos. <laughs> Is, is, is there not a, a joke in the comedy world that you play the same places on the way up and then yeah. again on the way back down? Yeah. Is, anyone, does anyone actually own that joke? Yeah, but this is the second time I've done this podcast, so it's right? quite a bad point. Um, I think um, the, the one I remember hearing it using it was Malcolm Hardy. Of course. Uh, the late Malcolm yeah. Hardy. Right. Uh, so whether it was his or not, I, I didn't, didn't speculate. I saw Gary Little use that line a year or so ago, but there we are. I'm, I'm We've sure all used it. Yeah. Used it, yeah. So, 1988, can you remember what the joke was? Your f the first time you made someone laugh on stage? Um, it, it was pretty poor. I mean, uh, the material wasn't <laughs> wasn't strong. And just, I heard, you know, before we came pressing the record button here, we were talking just about the number of gigs that we might have done. I did eight in my first year, and I did 16 in my second year. Are you being serious? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I didn't really know what button to press either. When I, when I was set a challenge to learn stand-up comedy, uh -huh. and... As often happens, you know, I did my first gig five minutes red draw at uh -huh. the stand in Glasgow. I did that. I thought, wow, that's great. I can't wait to do something else in about yeah. four or five months. And people said, no, 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 no. If you're going to be serious about this, you need to do it all the time. I, uh, so, I find that fascinating what you were saying there, because I think in my first three or four or five years even, I never went longer than two weeks without a gig ever. Right. And even then I would be doing, from my first year, from when I started taking it quite seriously, I was lucky I had a student loan though. Uh -huh. I would do four a week, five week travel Manchester, Nottingham, go everywhere. So that's insane. It is, as a it's ridiculous. Because now in the fringe, well, you, you would do, do 24 20, in a week. I know, and you would probably do sometimes two or three in a day. Yeah, easy. So what happened was you, you were asking about the material and I can remember one thing that I actually wrote specifically and I'm not proud of it but and it was an indication of what level of humour I was pitching myself at. Um, I said, you know, I've, I've got a proper job. And I worked for a very, very successful guy. And he said, Fred, you're never going to get anywhere in this world if you don't take risks. So I've been eating a lot of all bran and drying my arse with a white towel. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good opener. I like it. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and what, can you remember the buzz? The, the, oh, 
unbelievable. Because there was money thrown at it by the paper, mm. they had a girl called Wendy Harmer, an Australian comic, who's still on the go, yeah. came over and she gave us a sort of, uh, not a seminar, but just a kind of guide to, to getting on stage and holding the mic. Because none of us had even held a microphone before. And then the gig was... itself was compared by Pete McCarthy, the late, great Pete yeah. McCarthy, another Perry winner. Yeah. So it was, it was a big deal. And you were allowed to bring four guests. And I think there was nine comics in each heat so the from recollection i think there was 36 in the audience <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing what were you ray, ray your your first ever joke can you remember it, what it was not really someone asked me this not that long ago and i was really struggling to think i've got recordings um because at the start you because i i was starting comedy in the youtube age so there's lots of recordings and I, I could go back but no i remember it was in liverpool and in a place called prohibition rawhide did you ever play rawhide comedy club no, right no. so rawhide was the main club in liverpool they used to do and new act night called Rawhide Raw and it was the theme tune from Rawhide when you came in and uh, I remember doing it and it was a gong show so you get four minutes grace and then you had to make another four minutes without getting gonged off and then you could get into final and I think it was eight minutes I think I did seven minutes 54 and get gonged off and I remember thinking I remember That's just great. I, I, I'd ran out of jokes so <laughs> I just stood there and I was like you can just do it now uh, but I just remember what sums up comedy for me there was a guy called John Glennon who ran this like John group, Glennon John Glennon Liverpool. do you know what I've never even thought of that as well before John yeah, G John. Lennon oh I've never even thought of that he ran this group he, he used to do a duet with Paul McCartney <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe I've known this guy 13 years and never thought of that as well he was like he ran this thing called it was called Muck and it was like a Merseyside Uncut Comedy Collective and what they would do is they would put gigs on all round and you, you could get stage time and he gave me his card he was like I think you could do well here's a gig and then I turned the card around and it was a John West Salmon card because that's who he worked for and I was like oh comedy's sexy and then I did a couple for them and then just kind of got the bug and then that was it but yeah it was a very different time we started because I can't even imagine doing only eight. Was it eight your first year? Six, uh, six? Yeah, eight, then 16. And the only reason I know that is because I've still got the financial record. <laughs> <laughs> and for context, one time I did Adelaide and Melbourne comedy festivals back to back oh. and I counted and I did 181 gigs in 10 weeks. Jeez. For context. That must have been my first five years. And, and I've said the other thing about it was you would have got the chance to do five or 10 minutes over and over and over again. Yes, yeah, yeah. I did my set at the So You Think You're Funny competition, then down to the bar point in Paisley to do a five minutes in the September. Right. Number out. And, yeah. and this is, you would never have got away with this now because of, um, you know, data protection. But they just said, uh, yeah, Piero got in touch with them and said, can I get their names and addresses? And the four, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go, mate. Uh, so I did five minutes in September and Piero said right uh, I'll book you for October it's a 20 minute spot so I had to go from 5 minutes 5 minutes to 20 minutes so that was when I took one of the only times I've taken the precaution of having alcohol before I did the gig I can't imagine you drinking before a gig actually yeah, and during it as well <laughs> that's a good point do you ever have a pint before? nah not really um, if I'm out social well I say this two weeks ago I was at the Scotland game so yes and then I went to do the Glee um, <laughs> but it depends when I did the sign language show so because it was like a show in two languages for an hour which is hard Yeah, um, I never would touch anything and then there was one day in Adelaide I was out with Marcus Birdman, very good comic. Yep. 
and we went to this afternoon gig and there was a couple of very famous Australian comics on so it was sold out in this lovely theatre and they got us a few drinks and I was saying to Marcus I'm not going to drink and he was like nah just have a couple you'll be fine so I have a couple and I go do my sign language show and I missed a 20 minute section when I started doing callbacks to jokes I hadn't done I couldn't work out why people weren't laughing so I was like right definitely no look it was oh so awkward so awkward so no did, did you? I've never ever well I'm, I'm talking like I'm a veteran here <laughs> in, my, in my career of 15 <laughs> gigs but the last one I did was just two or three weeks ago at the at the stand it was a red row I'd been offered five minutes and I kind of thought this will be, be fine I've done it 15 times yeah. I've done it so many times it's locked and loaded nerves kicked in like you can't imagine and I, you know we were discussing that earlier on tonight before we, we started the recording how some people are affected by it I wasn't expecting it by mm. god it was horrible I watched. I watched it back, and some don't folk, do that. Well, so I, like so, I immediately I, I texted my wife before heading home, and I said that was just horrific, horrible. And she said, "I'll bet it's not as bad as you thought." So, in fact, the first time I watched it was was in the studio with David, the producer. And was it as bad? No, it wasn't. And I was hoping you were going to say it was worse. No, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. wasn't. And in fact, the, the the point where I forgot the guy's name. And mm. the joke, it actually looked like I was deliberately forgetting it. I was right. just like kind of, you know, trying to be kind of almost like very ah, casual. Yeah. You know, what's he called again? Kind of yeah. thing, you know? And it, it didn't actually look that bad. Do you get nervous? I can't imagine you get nervous. Of course I do. Do you? Absolutely, yeah. That I, really surprises me. I, I mean, it's just a case of disguising it. I've al- always, I'm always nervous to, to a degree. It's just different degrees of nerves. Uh, yeah, Seriously, that... even going on stage, you know, the, the, the more familiar you are with a room, the more comfortable you are. Yeah. But there's still, I've never ever done this as an experiment, but I've often thought it'd be interesting just to take somebody's pulse, monitor your pulse before you go on stage, yeah. you know. The comedy store in London, you know, you go out from the out yeah. the dressing room straight onto the stage. Uh, I would love to just see what happens to you in that sort of 60 seconds. Got devices now that can measure that stuff? Yes, yeah. of course they do. Yes. <laughs> I was looking at my, at my kind of heart rate the other day and it was, it was actually really kind of very relaxed and slow. Uh-huh. And I thought, God, I bet it wasn't like that when I was yeah. about to. When I heard that music, yeah. it reads I, raw. I, I, would, I, would, do, do. I wouldn't say I usually get nervous. I not? think I can think maybe... I think really, really nervous. I think I've got really, really nervous about 10 times in my entire career. And it was like the first time I did CBBC because I was scared I was going to swear. Like really big gigs. The first time I played the Kings Uh because I'd worked there as a bar person before. So it was like a kind of full circle stuff. But no, I remember Michael Redmond once said to me, Michael Redmond, absolute comedy circuit legend. (laughs) We're sitting backstage in the stand on Sunday night. And I didn't know him that well at this point. And he went, do you know, I think you're the most, uh, the comic that's most like what they are on stage as they are off stage mm-hmm. and I went oh thank you and he went no it's not a compliment <laughs> and I was like oh okay he was like you must be unhinged to uh-huh. just kind of do that way and I was like oh I never thought of that so you don't have a kind of Sunday voice for you like my kind of introduction voice for this mm, I don't know probably when I do the radio yeah but uh, no I don't I don't uh, consciously think about no, anything I've, I've heard you a lot and, and off the ball and so on mm. and I would say you, you sound just like yeah. you know, like I'm talking to you yeah it's just I quite like it I think you're the same I as well say, I radio. would say so yeah I mean I think in that respect we're pretty similar yeah just two handsome bald guys yeah. <laughs> that's all it is <laughs> but you know when we're talking about the drink yeah the drink Jack Doherty and Murray Hunter were getting a bit of success and a bit of traction and uh, they were doing some TV stuff and it absolutely was up and running and they were looking for new writers and Parrot and I got a call would we go down and maybe do some writing for them so we went down for a meeting in Soho and the meeting was something like 
you know, 10.45. And we just went in and said, do you fancy writing some stuff? And we go, I can give it a go if you, if you like. That's great. Do you fancy a pint? <laughs> right? And it was a Thursday. And I was there was a club in Brighton called The Crocodile. Or the bar was called... The, no, the bar was called The Concord. The club was called The Crocodile. Okay. And I was doing... Uh, I think it was closing it. And we went for a pint in Soho. That is the only time I've got absolutely trashed. Like 12 uh, hours before the gig starts as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I had to leave. I think I left at about seven o'clock and I couldn't finish my 12th pint of Guinness. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, luckily, it was years ago, so my bladder was still operating yeah. properly, and I managed to go the whole train journey from London to Brighton. Oh. Still pissed when I got to the gig, and I did it, and I encored. Did you? Uh-huh. Um, and it was, you know, but I would never have done that again. That was, do you, here's that was a, an accident. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Do you think encores are much more of a thing of the past? Because you don't see it that often no, anymore. No, you don't. I mean, it was a, th- a thing we used to do at the store a lot. You would just, you would kind of decide before the night, <laughs> uh, whether, you know, depending on how long people were doing yeah. sets wise and how we were for time, you would just kind of say, look, if it, you know, and it would only ever be the headliner. Um, and you would say, do you want to do an extra bit? And then you would, you, you would coax the audience. Do you, do you want to be a bit yeah, more? Yeah, yeah. What do you do a bit more? Just check. We do, do want to do a bit more? He wants to do a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll do the I'll do the four minutes we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> now, before we go any further, I wanted to talk a wee bit about, about why so why I'm doing this. I was set a challenge: could I learn stand up comedy for a feature for the paper? Question before you start: Do you think it's something you learn? Well, that's what was, that, that's what I've learned. Oh, is it? Ah. Can it be taught? Well, there are courses. Yeah. Uh, and people I know that have done these courses have gone on to become stand-ups. Des Clark, Scott Agnew, some great Is that people. Right? Yeah, did yeah, they, yeah, do they the did courses? Viv G's course. Jeez. Yeah, there's she's an unsung heroine, yeah. isn't she? Yeah, Viv G. Yeah, yeah. and I think Who I'm hoping to get on. Yeah. I would yeah. say 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. Get Viv on. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah. like the matriarch. <laughs> she, yeah, yeah. But I think I don't think it can be taught per se. I think the context of it can be taught about how to hold a microphone, yeah. the circuit, and everything about it. But actually, being on stage is how you learn. I think. I've got a couple of pals. Yeah, it's just a, <laughs> a That's a very good line, actually. We're a couple of pals who are very, very funny. They react to things brilliantly in the boozer after the football yeah, or yeah. whatever, and they just have us in stitches. But by their own admission, they could never stand up on a stage. And probably, I think it's because of the idea of writing a set. But, you know, in, in a kind of round-the-table situation, they will come up with the best put-downs, the best reactions, the best sort of, you know, jokes, I suppose. Yeah. So that so there's probably two types of comedian, isn't there? There's someone who will who will have who will depend on a set, mm-hmm. but maybe can't react quickly. Or, or am I talking I, shit? No, I think that's <laughs> a bit of shite. But I think you can um, you can start off like that definitely. But I think you learn stage. Craft. I mean, you've been doing it longer. You mm-hmm. can answer this probably better than I have. But you can learn a stagecraft where even if you are the most scripted stick to your thing if you do get heckled you can deal with it after a certain amount of time well I was going to say that there's uh, if there's a division between types of comics it's the ones that write um, and write prolifically and yep. write and write and write and nobody more so than the guy you've just been working with Frankie yeah Frankie writes more than anybody I know and he writes better than anybody I know so I'm currently gigging with him three or four nights a week uh-huh. and have done for the last six weeks the turnover is incredible uh-huh. and it's all because he's doing a TV show now so when we're recording he's filming the first episode of New World Order tomorrow night and what will happen is 
the 10 minutes, 15 minutes of stand-up that he's worked on will go out on that and that will just get scrapped. Yeah. And then he'll work on the new bit for it. It's The turnover, like you say, is incredible. When you say he writes and he writes and he writes, what do you mean by that exactly? So is he scribbling notes on his phone or is he no, a keyboard? I mean, he, I think Frankie works with a pad and a pen. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think he's a keyboard writer. From The first time in this tour I've seen him have printouts right. before that, I've never seen that, but yeah. I think that's just been locked down. Yeah. <laughs> like sitting on the computer. You know, my own style would be if I have a notion of something that I think might be funny, um, it's a bullet point and I'll go on and it develops on stage. Right. And that's, you know, I've, I've, I've got a very low hit rate of sitting for, for stand up. I'll talk about writing uh, in di- different formats in a minute, but for, for stand up, it has to be a sort of special, significant quality of material. And for me, that comes from being on stage yep. and working I- the material and, you know, developing it and mm-hmm. adding in. And, you know, you were saying about your pals that are, you know, they're great with reacting to mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Putting a set together is collating all of that stuff and finding a format for it. Mm-hmm. You know, a funny line is a funny line. It might be a throwaway at that point, but later on you will find an avenue for it or you'll yeah. find a bit that yeah. it fits in. And it'll be buried away somewhere and you'll, have it, you'll probably have it scribbled on a phone and a note or yeah. whatever and you'll... Yeah. yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm exactly the same as Fred. And I think that's why we end up hosting quite a lot. Yep. because we can uh, react to things and we never go on. Whereas there's a few comics I know who I've worked with and sometimes they've said, oh, can you help me write a thing? Um, or, or can you gag up my show? I've had that uh-huh. a couple of times. And you get sent a 35-page script word for word. And I was like, I don't understand how that can be. If I do an hour show, it's maybe 15, 20 bullet points mm-hmm. of one word and that's each bit. Whereas <laughs> they are like a full script and that is mind-boggling to me. Do you know people who, yeah, who maybe... T- depend too much on that then or, or I suppose what I'm trying to say is my shocker at the stand the other week I actually wrote in my hand hi I'm Simon <laughs> such a low point uh, in your is, life absolutely. man uh, but it's, yeah, a, it's a very good bit of material no, <laughs> I don't know anybody that's doing that yeah. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was a banker to start <laughs> off with <laughs> but they do say that it reads raw though you won't get a more supportive crowd anywhere yeah. so you could probably you know and particularly if someone's a beginner I remember I mean, years ago John I think it was John Gavin described it to me as a when's my DVD crowd out so like you smash it and then you feel yeah. like oh I'm going to be a superstar yeah. and then you try the same material the next night in Paisley and there's oh uh-huh. it's one minute passable the wonderful winter sale is now on at Harry Corey. Harry Corey. Prices are falling in every department. Duvet sets from only seven fifty. Pillows from only six pounds, and lined eyelet curtains from just twelve pounds fifty. The Harry Corey winter sale now on. Call in store or online at harrycorey.com while these wonderful offers last. Harry Corey, the curtain bedding specialists. Do you wonder whether people depend on writing the bullet points in their hand a wee bit too much? Because, you know, I, 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 I'm not joking. I did actually write, hi, I'm Simon, because I was so worried about uh-huh. not getting my running order right. Uh-huh. I, I just, and, and I, I had, and a minute or two before I went on stage, I thought, hang on a minute, I can't actually remember what I'm going to say. I also wonder if you'd left the high off. <laughs> and I just said, was, I'm, I'm well, Simon. I'm there, was, there was no high, yeah, trust me. I, I don't right, know if you, okay, if right. you saw what uh, <laughs> lots of lows. I tweeted yesterday. So, what happens at uh, the Glee Frankie, um, who I'm opening for just now, will back announce me. So, from backstage, he announced me. I walk on, I walked on, I went, Hi, I'm, my name's Ray. And someone went, Fuck off, Ray. And I was uh-huh. like, It's a good heckle because there's yeah. a attention to my name. So, I'm not too bothered. Yeah. yeah. And then they lasted another five minutes before they get chucked out. Do you think he woke up that morning thinking, I'm really looking forward to this? Yeah. Uh, this oh, 100%. Show. And they'll have tweeted about it in advance, but then meeting at the pub at 12 for a half five start is 
not the best idea. And you see it all the time. The only thing I've ever written on my hand is the initials of an act that's on stage uh, or the initial of the act that I'm going to bring on stage. Initials is a good idea, yeah, actually. Uh, and it's always at my left index finger. So right? no one else knows. Right? It just gets licked as yeah. soon as they're on stage, licked and put off. Because uh, at the store once, and you're uh, again, uh, having said that I don't drink, this was another time when I did drink. <laughs> is there right? any gigs you've done sober? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is really a confessional, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> the wee black box feel has that, doesn't it? It is good. So, and I forgot who I was bringing on stage and I had to shout to, it was a guy called Stan in the sound. Stan, who's coming on? <laughs> and he said, I'll intro him, Fred, you get off. <laughs> I've done that before I forgot the name and you do the it sounds like you're saying a name so it's ladies and gentlemen start clapping and cheering they start clapping <laughs> please don't go da, 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 da. like that kind of noise you can get away with it yeah. I've done that numerous times but no, no never done the bullet points in my hand well, I've, I've, I've taken a scrap of paper out and read it yeah well anyway it was a, it was a learning curve for me and uh, I think it was you know I went out there thinking right it's okay if I forget what I'm about to say I've got it written in my hand and all of a sudden my brain was functioning in a, in, in a different way than it normally would because it was a bit like I was saying to myself, it's okay, just look at your hand. And, and you had a busy day at work that day? Or, or yeah, were, no, no, totally, yeah. And were you thinking about the gig all day or were you I, kind I, of preoccupied? I was, I was, I was uh, a bit of both. I, I, my, you know, in my day job, I'm very busy anyway, particularly busy at the moment. And, and I can I, tell your phone doesn't stop ringing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I was kind of in the back of my mind thinking, I've done this wee five minutes so many times. And turns out I hadn't. Because there's this, this expression that comedians use, match fit. Yeah. And... There's a young guy in Scotland at the moment, a guy called Mick McNeil, who's yep. from Jordan Hill, like you and I. Yeah. And um, Mick ha was on that night as well. And we had a wee message exchange after it. And and I was kind of, you know, breaking my heart saying, oh, it's just the worst thing ever. And he said, I, I thought you were fine. But he said, but bear in mind, this is your first time in 18 months. He said, I've done 160 gigs since, that the, means Mick's done. since the world reopened again, just in the what? spring. Oh, during Fringe and all that. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah. Joe Mick started uh, stand-up when asking me for advice because he's my brother's, one of my brother's best mates. Right. We're on a stag do in Prague at 2am, absolutely steaming, and he's asking me for advice. And I was yeah. like, now's not the time. Now's not the time, though. No. I'd imagine if I did my wee five minutes 160 times in three or four months, I probably wouldn't be forgetting too much of it. Yeah, you should probably get more material then. Also, if you're doing it that amount of times, isn't it? My favourite bit of stand-up is Dave Allen's bit about teaching your kid the time. Have you seen that? No. Oh, I'm not, I will have, but it's... it's about the two hand and the wee hand. And uh -huh. It's similar to, it's one of those bits, it's like um, Robin Williams with the golf. Yes. About how, oh, it's like that, no, and it just elaborates uh -huh. and yeah, it gets yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger. Because I'm trying to think what my favourite joke of yours is. Do you know the, the Robin Williams golf thing? Yeah. He does a funny little manoeuvre with his hands when he's doing that, which suggests to me that that golf thing he probably did with Connolly. I bet that became a riff because at some points he's 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 folding his hair behind ah. his ear. It's imaginary hair, and he starts to sound a bit like Billy Connolly. I, I thought well. he's he's mimicking in his workshop with him or something. Like yeah, that. I'll tell you the the guy who has got the most encyclopedic knowledge of every gag ever written is Barry Cryer, yeah. and Barry yeah. will have uh, an opinion on what is the best single joke ever. Uh, John Lloyd, who created QI and the News Quiz. Uh, and very many uh, other things came to the fringe about five years ago, and because he he loves hearing people laugh and he loves performing, yeah. And he told what he thought was the the greatest joke ever. Told. And what was it? It's the guy that vomits on himself. And, and the, is this the airplane? No, it's the it's the ten pounds, twenty pounds in the top pocket thing, 
right? You know it. Yeah, I do. Right? I do know it. Yeah, yeah. and it's a, that is a great joke because it's I, I don't know um, whether you you call it what's it the not diversion but you know concealment yes, of, yeah. of what's coming. I I I have Clement Freud tell that uh-huh. joke. Right. I don't know where, yeah, where, where it, did you just say where it originated from? Was no, I've no out? idea where it came from. Um, Barry Cryer would know who, yeah. who uh, wrote it originally. That's the I'm thing sure. as well. I, I, off the top of my head, I would struggle because I don't, I'm not a huge fan of one-liner comics. I much prefer storytelling and things like that. So I think about bits rather than uh-huh. jokes. Whereas you've got, like every time, in saying that, every time I watch Gary Delaney or yeah. you know, back in the day, Mitch Hedberg or something like that, every line makes me laugh, but it's never memorable. I always think there's I think you, one of my favourite jokes you tell is the one when you during the friend you went to check your car in and you give your name oh yeah that's yeah, right that yeah. makes me laugh every time yeah. jo- Jojo Sutherland has a joke that I think is my favourite joke on the Scotch comedy circuit and every time I think about it it makes me laugh and it's or there's two actually John Ross has got a line one line as well so Jojo's is Something like a kid says, I know how you can make kids. You, The man puts his willy in the woman's mouth and she goes, that's not how you make a baby. That's how you get jewellery. Uh-huh. And people laugh. Yeah. And then she turns to so anyone in the front row and goes, nice necklace. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> so, every time I see it, I just think that joke is incredible. Yeah. And John Ross, when he asks his dad for spaghetti bolognese and his dad says, stop making up words. <laughs> like, which is just, just the best 60s dad comeback. Yeah. They always stick in my head every yeah. time. Can I name drop? Of uh, course. Dominic Holland is an old pal mm-hmm. and he came up to stay with us with his eldest son, Tom. Who uh, is? Spider-Man. <laughs> and, uh, Spider-Man stayed in your house? Yeah. And uh, he told us that when he was on Graham Norton's show, I think he was on with Jennifer Lawrence or something like that, <laughs> and he said and it, it, the gags were getting kind of feisty. And he thought, oh, I've got this brilliant bit that dad told me, which is, you know, when the, where the babies come from, dad. And he said, well, he said, uh, mum mom has an egg in her body and, and daddy's got seed in his body and he has to get the seed into mummy's body. And one of the boys says, does mummy swallow daddy's seed? And he said, well, she used to. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought, oh, this is a brilliant story I'm going to oh. tell. And he looked out and in a 400 audience, all he could see was his mum. <laughs> can't do it. Cannot do this. Both some of what are believed to be the greatest jokes of all right. time. Right, okay, yeah. Be interesting to see what we think just now, you know. Yeah. Well, that's, okay, I've got 10 here, right? Why, do, why don't you rate them? Rate them. All right. Out okay. of 10, right? So the first one, Tim Vine, conjunctivitis.com. There's a site for sore eyes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Two. Four. <laughs> just, I think that's okay. Next one, Joan Rivers. All my mother told me about sex was that the man goes on top when the woman goes on the bottom. For three years, my husband and I slept in bunk beds. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah, that's all right. Ken Dodd. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Can- Cancelled in episode one. <laughs> Here's a three-hour three one-liner. I have kleptomania, but when it gets bad, I take something for it. Yeah. Yeah. And then this one, I think this one will probably pop up in every episode of After Unlocked because it's just one of the greats. It's Bob Monkhouse. I want to die like my father, peacefully in his sleep, not screaming and terrified like his passengers. Yeah, that's a good gag. I agree with Ray. I think that one-liners you, you can listen to for a, a wee while. Yeah. I, I, I def- Gary Delaney's an exception. I can listen yeah. to Gary's. I mean, I think it took Gary something like eight years to write his first hour because of the, the quality of the yeah. material is so good. But the, there's others. I, I would think there's a five to ten minute maximum. 
even Stephen Wright, I mean, the, mm. you know, who was huge in the 80s when we started. Anyway, yeah. sorry, back to you. No, 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 that's okay. No, um, Joe Brand, uh, this is this is one of my favourites, actually. The way to a man's heart is through his hanky pocket with a bread knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard that one before, yeah. that's good. Milton Jones, who I have to say, hands up, is my favourite comedian. Yeah, he's yeah. another quality act. What, what, what I like about Milton Jones is um, what you're probably going to get something like 250 gags. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. And there's no swearing. I don't, I don't know if swearing's important oh, or I'd not. I fucking hate that. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but, you know, and he's, he's maybe somebody... I don't think you, you, you don't particularly swear. Not much, a lot, no, but I mean, no. I, I, you know, I talk about swearing. Yeah. Um, Which is a good, a good way of getting to quietly yeah, have getting a wee sneaky. It, but yeah. no, I, um, but uh, Milton, I think, is, I think Milton's uh, a practising Christian and it might be something to do with uh, that. Really mm-hmm. good footballer. Milton, yeah. Really yeah. good footballer. Right? Yeah, yeah. You would not oh, guess it. I yeah. didn't think he could go up my estimations anymore. But There's that's, is. that's what I found in uh, maybe the last 10, 12 years of comedy. The people that you think are going to be good at football are terrible and the ones you don't expect yeah. are really, really good. Okay, so I'm now, I'm now going to... Who's? Tim, Tim Key. Key. Yeah. Really good. Oh, God, I've forgotten his name. Um, Bake Off uh, presenter. Matt Lucas. Ma- no, the other one. <laughs> Uh, Neil, Fol- Neil, uh, no Neil Fielding No Fielding No Faulkner yes. that's, No Faulkner mate, Someone presents on Clyde too. I'm, I'm now trying no to No Fielding's a good f- He's, he's a really good, good as well yeah. yeah I'm trying to picture What position Neil, uh, He would play Neil Fielding And, and uh, Mid- Milton Midfielding. Jones Midfielding Yeah <laughs> That's the best joke. Let's That's wrap it up. Uh, that, that may actually win. That's straight through <laughs> to the next round. Yeah. The uh, the comedians, uh, Kilkenny, you've done Kilkenny. No, I was meant to do it and then COVID hit. So I was meant to go to New Zealand for six weeks, do telly over there, oh. come home for two days, then go to Kilkenny. Two festivals I've been trying to do for years yeah. and then COVID hit. No, so but there's the, a football the, game, which football is why. Football game, Ireland versus the rest of the world, which uh, in my 20 odd years of going out there, I've, I've gone from player to manager to sideline Commentator, commentator with Carol Spain and uh, I love Carol Spain. Just so one year the midfield trio was John Bishop, Aidan Bishop, who is the brother yeah. of Des Bishop, yes. right? Des Bishop, great comic. Uh, His really, China show is one of the best oh, things I've ever seen. And so they're playing, and John passed it to Aidan, who passed it to Des, and Carol Spain was on the mic. He said, and it's Bishop to Bishop <laughs> to Bishop. Is it a football or a choir boy? (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't suppose uh, uh, West Ham's Ian Bishop as a ringer just to, kind of, <laughs> just to secure the three points. Yeah. Carl, Carl Spain is one of those people that you meet every now and then that are just born to be a comedian. He's funny just bones. so naturally yeah. funny and yeah. always on. Like yeah. always, like never has a break at all. Great he was crack. just continually going. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, but as we were talking earlier on about whether it's natural, whether it's something you yeah. can learn, people just are, you know, there's no other job for them, I suppose. No, well, he he did a TV show trying to find a wife, and he, and he found yeah his wife, and he got Rachel. married. Yeah. See, going back to what you said about can it be taught? Mm-hmm. I wonder about the people that like yourself that have come to it for a specific reason. Because I don't know about you, Ray, but I mean, I I almost needed to do stand up. I mean, I it was I'd wanted to do it for so long. I just I had to I had to do it. I mean, yeah. I, um, I'd gone a decade thinking how do, how do I get into it and then you know in the 70s and 80s there was no there was not no avenue mm-hmm. and it was only through the so you think you're funny competitions yeah. that I eventually got the the balls to go and give it yeah. a go I had I had slightly different so I was a drama student right and I was I liked performing and stuff like that and I went to see I think four comedy gigs before and then I started and I went to a comedy club one night in Liverpool and I was quite drunk I just split up with my then girlfriend and I remember thinking I could do that uh-huh. I could definitely do that. And then the first time I did a gig, I was like, oh, this is so much better. I don't think I've really acted in anything ever since. Mm-hmm. I've been cut from Scott uh-huh. Squad twice, but <laughs> got paid both times. So I don't oh, really well care. Done. So. Fred, you said something about but, getting, uh, you, you know that you did eight gigs because you could work out your financial aye. records. Were you getting paid right at the start? No, yeah. well, I got paid from the, the third gig. Really? Yeah. I got 20 quid for 20 minutes. <laughs> right. how, how common is that? Rare. Yeah. Well, it's because it was, it was yeah. different. But I, and you were obviously very, very good. You were no, mar- marketable. Well, equally, you know. So marketable, it's a quid a minute. I know. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I did gigs in those. You, you did it for buttons, mm. you know. But but no, the, equally, there were other gigs where you did it for nothing. Yeah. Just for the experience. And to get the experience and, to, and, yeah, and, to, and practice. To get yep. going, yeah. But I wanted to ask you, now that you've got your foot on stage and held the microphone and made people laugh, is it something you want to continue doing? Is it something that you could give or take? I have no idea where I'm going with this. Right. Because, because Neither the po- do the audience. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> don't, like, this guy doesn't even know his fucking name. Um, I, so, like, cards on the table. I'm not as young as I once was. I'm over 50, right? Uh-huh. So th- this was a challenge that was set to me for a newspa- newspaper feature. And when I did it for the first time, it actually went all right. And then, and then I, I did... Within about three or four gigs, I, I did a 10 minutes at the Rotunda yeah. on a Saturday night, which I was told was kind of unheard of. And people were saying, you should really stick in at this. I just wasn't doing it enough. And I, I was reminding myself, this isn't your job. And yeah. also, I was kind of mindful too, that if I was being given slots, there were people who actually wanted to be comedians. Yeah, I know. Who, 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 who maybe needed that but slot. I think there's so. a big difference between wanting to be a comic and being one because you see a lot of people now who will set up a Facebook page saying like my page when they've done two gigs and things like that yeah and that's it's a false economy it's not what you actually are you need to I mean you can call yourself that but it's a kind of trading standards thing yeah yeah um, totally. not so much but you did a drive-in gig with me didn't you yeah uh, it was at Christmas time of uh, Halloween, Halloween time it was because they stopped then, yeah, because it got too cold at Christmas time. Did you, did you have the pleasure of today driving, Fred? No, 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 of course not. You've paid off your mortgage. <laughs> like uh, the bar. I, I, I actually really enjoyed it, and and, and I always remember it was cold because I was, I was wearing this kind of green, sort of, you know, jacket, zipper jacket thing, and and then as soon as I, you were, you were hosting it, and and you said, yeah, there's, there's Glasgow's uh, latest 
no Gallagher tribute act. In my something. head, I was thinking that joke when you said green jacket. So I was like, uh, that's good. I'm consistent. <laughs> and uh, but I enjoyed that. And and it was like, the, so I did two. I, I did that and I did a, in fact, a three. I did a, a Zoom that you were on, Fred, with Des McLean. Oh, yeah, the they were great. Night. Yeah, McLean ran the best ones. Yeah. yeah. And I, then I did the, the, the virtual comedy seller with Susie McCabe, which uh-huh. actually was in uh, person. Uh, yeah. In person. Although it was a big green screen technology, yeah. which yeah. I thought was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, Blown away cool. by it. It was, yeah. it was superb. Get in. To this and just watching all looking at all these faces as well um and, and the kind of screens around you how did you how did you find all that you know Susie's one i i, d- I didn't enjoy it i just didn't get to grips with it and I, mm. I think it was because i hadn't been doing an awful lot and i didn't do the car park gigs didn't um, as much but we we did, a, we, did we did a corporate one we you did, were just brilliant. down the road from yeah. here yeah yeah and um it was me and fred in a room performing to an ipad yeah um just a lot of pressure to laugh at each other's jokes. I remember well, that. It was you and uh, the guy that organised yeah. it in the room. I mean, there yeah. was an audience of two, which I've, was... It was the closest I've been to doing like a Al-Qaeda hostage video. <laughs> that was the kind of vibe I thought it had. Um, but yeah, it was... I mean, I think I said... Because openly I was, I was trying to get a mortgage because I was moving house. So I needed to keep things ticking over. So it looked like... So I was doing things that I never would have done 18 months ago when I actually had a career. And it was fascinating because what I found was really good was uh, how diverse you can actually become once you kind of know what you're doing in stand-up. So it would go to like someone like Fred doing radio, you'll get someone like Frankie doing columns and yeah. people just, you just diverse as much as you can. Yeah. And over the years, I've done a lot of shit. Did, <laughs> like, did I tell you the, um, the one that we got an inquiry and uh, this sounds really grand that I've got a PA, but I mean, uh, this... Uh, Girl has it's just you with a different name to tell people to fuck yeah, no. off. Essentially, <laughs> I'm sorry, he's very busy. <laughs> uh, but she, she's part. She works for somebody else full time, and she does hours for me. So, and I managed to retain her throughout the the, the lockdown. And we got an inquiry. It was an engineering company and uh, massive worldwide, but they've got about 400 people in Glasgow, and okay. they've, they've got a social club. And they they got in touch with Janice and said. Um, just wondering if we could maybe book Fred for for our Christmas. Um, would like would like to do the the party online, and uh, it's a wee bit odd. I'd uh, like him to do maybe fifteen minutes of comedy, and then do you think he would call out our bingo numbers for us? Right? <laughs> and Janice says, "Mate, there's been a pandemic. He'll put on a dinner suit." <laughs> <laughs> but you know and I'm about to do my third gig for them I'm, I'm doing a live one for them in a couple of Great. weeks so. and that was the thing what I found really cool was I ended up doing a lot more kind of corporates for companies because they had they were the only people with money Yeah. and usually if you do a Christmas corporate there's maybe one gig one of the days I did six in a day Yeah. and I just sat and I remember my wife came into so it was in our old flat it was in the bedroom in the corner I'd set up like a wee studio and she walked in and she went oh it absolutely stinks in here because <laughs> you just sweated for like six hours solidly in the corner of a gig but uh, yeah that was mad yeah. and just Clicking log off and joining another yeah. one straight Hi, after. Hi, it's really good to see you at. <laughs> yeah, that was a, Jay and Crichton's uh, surveyors. And p- being able to put your notes at the side of the computer yeah, as well yeah, was yeah, yeah. great. I wish I'd known you had a PA when I was trying to get in touch with you. <laughs> it's just I, me. Is that yeah, <laughs> right. Fr- Frida Frida McCauley. Yeah. PA. And back to my back to my list. Here. Ah, yeah. Sorry, Jimmy Carr. A lady with a clipboard stopped me in the street the other day. She said, "Can you spare a few minutes for cancer research?" I said, all right, but we won't get much done. Yeah. That's good. I like that. That's good. I've got one like that that Jimmy heard me do. 
Jimmy oh. Carr used one of my lines in his DVD. Oh, really? Yeah. But my, my one was walking down Byers Road and this kid jumped out. He said, excuse me, sir, can you spare me a minute for attention deficit disorder? And I said, a minute? I think you're being ambitious. <laughs> Let's aim for 40 seconds. <laughs> uh, uh, <yeah>. Tommy <laughs> Cooper. Tommy Cooper. Police arrested two kids yesterday. One was drinking battery acid and the other was eating fireworks. They charged one and they let the other one off. Is that actually Tommy Cooper's? So on this, I have heard according that, to the internet, yeah, yeah. I've heard that joke so many uh-huh. times, like as a kid growing up. Yeah. But but that's, I suppose, as we were saying earlier about his, you know, a punchline, there could be all sorts of different routes to it. There could maybe be several jokes might just have the same punchline possibly. Again, no, you're looking yeah. at me as I'm talking mince. I mean, I, the the one like that is the guy trying to get into a nightclub and he doesn't have a tie and he ends up putting jump leads around. Yeah. Well, yeah but you, have to, you have to tell everyone the punchline. Oh, you can come in, but don't start anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and another one I heard recently was a guy goes up, uh, tries to get into a nightclub and, and he's he's got among his friends, he's got a, a, a Frenchman, a Spaniard, an Italian, a German, a Swede, a Norwegian, an American, a Canadian... Um, ooh, an Austrian, an Australian. It's not really a one-liner. Is it? No, it's not. <laughs> and uh, and then the eventually says, "Sorry, you can't come in without a tie." Good. Didn't yeah. see that one coming. No, actually, no, no. fair play. Fair play. I don't know who that. But that's it. But a lot of jokes are just like they just evolved on this. You know, so you you could hear you could hear your favorite. Or you could tell someone your favorite joke, and they'll say, "Who who told that?" Don't yeah. Know. yeah, yeah. It could be anybody. It just grows arms and legs, I suppose, over the over the years. Do you have? I think I asked you this earlier, but do you have a favorite joke? Uh, of my own or of no, other people. See, yeah. the beauty well, of laughter unlocked is you get to tell other people's jokes. Because uh-huh. plagiarism is quite a, it's yeah, a big no no yeah, in common, yeah, isn't it? Sin die. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and what I would describe our circuit, you know, but there's this sort of joke tellers, the gag merchants, they're, well, the, the they've stand, got stock material and they just kind of, if somebody. It goes on stage. Yeah. The, uh, you hear stories about them saying, are you doing this tonight? Yeah. No, well, I won't do that. Especially but. when you do, so I've started. After dinner? I, yeah, since yeah, I yeah. started doing a lot of kind of football stuff on the radio yeah. and stuff, like, I do a lot of them. And yeah, you can totally. Oh, and also, I've, I've seen done, people actually write, I've seen people write other folks' jokes down at, yeah. after yeah. dinner. That's and, why and, when and, I do them, I specifically talk about my deaf parents, so they're yeah, screwed. Yeah. <laughs> they're not going to nick that. Yeah, that, that's the, it would be the, tricky. I've, I've seen guys, I'm not going to name them, but someone who won the Scottish Cup as a manager go out and just do some of the worst pub jokes I've ever heard mm. for 20, and I was like just talk about your career yeah I know I've, just, I've gigged with Scotland internationals who have played in World Cups and they've never mentioned that because they've been doing terrible jokes they found on the internet which is what they think people want but the reality yeah. is if you see for example Richard Goff or whatever you want to hear yeah. about World Cup 19 yeah, you want yeah, to hear about totally. that and it's just people don't realise that yeah well a, a very good again name dropping a very good friend of mine is Frank McAvaney I, I have watched Frank's after dinner routine develop Really rough around the edges, and now it's absolutely all singing and all dancing. But again, he he has so much, you know, partying with Rod Stewart before the World Cup Mexico, and all yeah. that, you know. Mm-hmm. And people just want to hear that. They don't, as you rightly say, they don't want to hear him telling a joke that he's heard yeah. someone else tell because they could they, just listen to Laughter yeah. Unlocked and could, <laughs> get those jokes that way. They could, they could, they could, they could hear like, um, uh, what's the next one on my list? Jack Whitehall. I'm sure wherever my father is, he's looking down on us. He's not dead. He's just very condescending. Decent. That's yeah. all right. Going back to the footballers, I, I did a, a gig once, um, Cherry and Chick Charnley. Legend. Chick, who I think it was, just, it might have been his first ever. After dinner. After dinner. Right. And again, he did 15 to 20 minutes and it was stories about other people. And he came off and it, it didn't go well. And he said, any advice? I said, yeah. See, when you're up there, 
Talk about Chick Charlie. Yeah. People want to hear about you. They want to hear about what you've done. and you know, The time the, you chase some kids with swords and all <laughs> that. <laughs> is, that yeah. is that an urban myth you think that did happen? This is the, that was in Mary Hill. Yeah, you, uh, you, I've interviewed Chick a lot over the years uh-huh. and uh, I think most of the stuff is true. <laughs> there's a story I'll tell you off air. <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, stuff and he is one of the big characters yeah. and you get people like that in stand-up. Like, people like who you mentioned earlier, Raymond Mearns. If Raymond said he'd done something, I would just believe it yeah. because... He's had such an eccentric life that you're just like, yeah, that happened. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's all about who you are and your persona on stage, which is something I remember. Bruce Morton, who we were speaking about before we came on air, Bruce once told me, so when I started, I did lots of jokes, and um, which I don't really do now. And I was trying to make people laugh as much as you can. And Bruce was saying when he started, he did exactly the same thing. But as a, when you get more stage time, you learn how to manipulate a laugh. You learn to go uh-huh. longer without a laugh you learn how to be more comfortable on stage. And I remember thinking, oh, that'll never happen for me. And then maybe two, three years later, I was like, oh, I feel really comfortable. And he was like, you found your voice. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's a very pretentious thing, but it generally does apply to comedy, I think. It's 100%. The finding your voice is the thing. And I, do you know this? I don't know if I've yet found my voice. Because I, I, I would go on stage often with thinking, right, I'm really going to... I'm going to deal with this issue here but then the insecurity kicks in and the nerves and nothing no I'll just tell jokes I'll just <laughs> say things that I know that are funny yeah um but see when you and there's various people who have come up through the Scottish comedy scene who have found their voice and there's others who are able to sell a joke that's been written for them yes which is and that is a skill that is a huge that, skill to, you know to be given something that's written down on a piece of paper and sell it it's very identifiable would you say yeah, and I I really struggle with it. Oh, really, on. really struggle with yeah. it. I uh, had to do that recently for a thing I was doing, and uh-huh. someone else had written for me, and I was like, I, I know. Because also, you don't know where to put the pause, yeah, or where there maybe missed a punctuation mark, maybe a comma, and then you ruin the flow, and it's wow. all about yeah, that because you don't you don't think about that. Yeah, yeah. But what I do want to do also, Ray, is talk to you a wee bit about the sign language stuff too, because people listening to this might not know your story. I was going to say, so I was going to be a pure dick there, but I thought, no, I'll give you the actual story. Um, yeah, so Fred McCauley's my dad, and uh, no, I, so yeah, my mum and dad were both deaf, so I grew up learning sign language, it was the first language I learned, so my dad's born deaf, profoundly deaf, communicates only through sign language, my mum lost her hearing when she was 14 months old through measles, so she lip reads and she speaks, and um, I started doing stand-up, and I never mentioned, I don't think I, the first six years I did stand-up, I don't think I ever mentioned my mum and dad were deaf on stage, because I was like... I don't want it to be my thing. Aye. If you get what I mean, like you're kind of defining. So I never did. And then my mate Paul, who works at Google now, he was like, this is your USP. And I was like, yeah, but I don't know how to deal with it. So and then I did a show where you could dare me to if you wanted in 2015 at the Fringe. And I got a sign language interpreter on stage so my mum and dad could come see it. And I looked at the brochures, three and a half thousand comedy shows. There were six sign language interpreted shows. And I was like, that seems a bit shit. So I spent two years coming up with a show that had never been done before. So I signed it and spoke it at the same time. Never been done. It won four awards. Um, I sold out in the UK, got to travel around the world doing it. It was amazing. Got over 800 deaf people come to our first comedy show, which was something I was... Superb. Yeah, but then you find out deaf people pay concession prices and <laughs> you've lost a bit of money. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was so, so much fun. And also, but what I had to do for that was... And about that kind of finding your voice thing, what I did in that show that I've never done before is I tell jokes, but I was also give facts. Like I remember there was a bit, so the whole, I did it in three sections. So the first section, it was a voiceover. I only signed, I didn't speak for the first 20 minutes of the show. So it was my own voiceover. And then I did a section where I interpreted myself. So I was on the screen doing my own and then the last bit I signed and spoke together. And so like in between, I would just play about it and try to get reactions from the audience. So like 
Uh, I'll ask you both this. Uh, when do you think sign language... So sign language dates back in the UK. The first time it was uh, written down, they think it was used, was 1580. Uh, when did it become an official language? Oh, I, I hate these questions because yeah, uh, 1582. No, um, I'm going to say I'm going to say something like 1974. 74. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say 81. 2003. Jeez. Wow. So what I would do is I would give that, and people are like, oh, we're actually learning here, uh-huh. yeah. and uh, yep. a couple of bits, and it was so so much fun to do. But the worst thing was uh, because I went on tour, I couldn't get a support act because I would have to sign for them. Uh-huh. So I then had to do two 45 minutes instead. So right. it was like so much more work. <laughs> so so much more work. Um. I proper laughed out loud, I think, as the young people call it, uh, watching you talking about your, your, your kind of upbringing. And you said that it wasn't, you know, ha- having deaf parents wasn't a big issue until you needed toilet paper. Until you run out of toilet roll. Yeah, 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 just yeah, totally yeah. kind of yeah. ruined your, your, uh, your, your joke there. And yeah, even like, there's so many things, even now, when I look back on it, like the first two times I met Santa, I was deaf. And then in primary one, Santa came in, I tried to sign to him and he just spoke. And it's like, if I'd known how good that was, I probably would have started talking about that earlier in stand-up. But also I was really glad that I got, I did an Edinburgh Festival show before I did the Sign Language show because writing an hour show is really hard. So getting one out of the way and learning mm. how to do it and the ebbs and flows and all that kind of stuff. But what was really interesting was the next year. So I got really nice reviews, nice awards, lots of chat. Uh, three people messaged me the next year to ask if it was okay if they did some sign language in their show and I was like oh I'm the new dead dad <laughs> like, this, is, this is my legacy because uh-huh. that was a thing in Edinburgh every yeah. I think uh-huh. 2010 11 everyone talked about how their dad had died around the 40 minute That's mark right. yeah. yeah so the guy the guy who heckled you at Frankie Boyle he didn't give you any sign language when he was doing it no he was getting <laughs> papped out straight away uh, but heckling something that people always think is going to happen a lot, but hardly ever hackles. Gets your hackles up Yeah. It's not really a big thing, is it? Um, not really, no. I mean, I, I did uh, three nights at the Kings with Frankie maybe five years ago. So you did the Monday to Wednesday. And, no, no, we did. I did the Thursday. Did you? No, I don't think you did do the Thursday. Um, it was Scott Gibson yeah. and Jen Briss. Uh, yeah. Brister. Brister. You got the fire alarm night, didn't you? You got the fire alarm night, yeah. yeah. Oh. But also, uh, so I, I was hosting it and I just went on. I said, right, come on then. If you've got anything to say, just say it to Uncle Freddy, okay? <laughs> and we'll deal with it. Get get the venom out now and I'll deal with it because you don't want to save it up for when Frankie yeah. comes on. Because, you know, and I don't want to give away too many of his lines, but he, he had some stock lines that he used, you know, and I mean, the, the lights in the Kings are ferocious. So you can maybe see two or three rows yeah. in the stalls. You can't see the dress circle or anything like that. But then they're just... You can you see know, the royal box, weirdly yeah. enough, and that's the only other thing. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, and somebody did say something and just, Frankie just destroyed him. Uh, looking up vaguely into the area where the heckle had come from, but clearly, you know, you couldn't make him out, but he's talking about what the guy looks like or what the person looks yeah. like uh, as if he can see right in his very so soul good. and it's you know it was, it was brilliant to watch yeah the best heckle I think I've ever seen well there's two well, no there's three really Chris Ramsey we were doing student uni gigs maybe 2009 2010 just as I was starting and he was like I'm bulletproof heckle me what you want I'll put it down and someone went your jeans are too blue <laughs> and he just did nothing because he was like <laughs> it was just perfect um, but yeah, yeah some other ones that are so enjoyable to watch can I just say, Simon, it's having grown up and had a major part of my 
comedy being being the Edinburgh Fringe. Mm. Uh, in the last 10 years, a lot of papers have come up with the 20 best Fringe yeah, one-liners, yeah. and I detest that. Well, because the, generally the lines are shit, yeah. um, and it's, it's plagiarism. We have... The, uh, well, we'll discuss this in future episodes. We have we have looked at some of the the sort of fringe winners over oh. the years, and they are some of them are quite disappointing. There's yeah, always yeah, whenever someone yeah. gets awarded but, it, there's always then the argument the next day of whose joke it really is. Uh, That's what always seems yeah. to happen. Yeah. And, I, and I would never have put it on my poster, you know, fringe. What, and but, I mean, the best joke at the fringe is just whatever PR submits it six weeks before the fringe yeah, starts. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there'll be a lot of that. And who can you know who can afford the PRs and who can yeah. really get the publicity machine moving? You know, maybe some maybe somebody who's not identical anything written about them yeah. that, that, that has the best joke but, but you uh, know, the other side of the coin is and this is what I wanted to say is that I have laughed helplessly at Phil K uh-huh. in the past uh, and if you were to ask me what he said that made me laugh like that I wouldn't be able to tell you yeah. Yeah. hand on heart stick me in a witness box I could not remember a single word of what he said yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of the time the joke is based on the persona because there's a comedian in this, two comics in the Scottish circuit that make me laugh more than anything. Darren Connell and Paul McDaniel. Yeah. Both of them make me laugh so much and it's not so much always about the joke but about their delivery and the yeah. awkwardness. And yeah, that, Paul McDaniel's that, just fantastic. That plays a huge yeah. part in it. I, I should maybe, have, instead of writing, Hi, I'm Simon, I should maybe have had the clipboard <laughs> yeah. and written it and that yeah. way yeah. I may yeah. have got away with it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, and the other thing about Paul is... I look forward to seeing them do the same gag I've heard them yes. do 20 times yes. than yeah. the 21st time. Yep, exactly. So the winner today is Paul McDaniel. Yeah. <laughs> Paul McDaniel. I think we can get Paul McDaniel yeah. on to laughter yeah. unlock. I, I would say, I yeah. And, uh, you know, looking back over the last five years, for a good one line, I'm going to give it to Paul. Yeah. Paul McDaniel. Okay. Like it. Like it. Fred McCauley. I haven't even asked you about Ali McCoy. Are you still in touch with him? Um, well, legally, what, no. What can I say? <laughs> Uh, I, I've bumped into him a couple of times in the last couple of months and we've exchanged messages with a view to meeting up. Yeah. I, saw, um, I saw a picture of you golfing. That's uh, right. And it looked yeah. very wholesome. You, Ali, Oh, there was Sir a whole Alex. load of former players. Yeah. Above, I, don't, yeah. I don't think Ali was in that photo. Was it not in that one? Was... Typical, he, he turned up with about a minute to go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was uh, the legends uh, of football were there en masse. Shearer, Les Ferdinand. Yeah. Uh, quite, I think it was Shearer's Instagram page. I saw a picture That's of you, and I was like, yeah. what? "How has this happened? What? Could uh, <laughs> could Ali have made it as a comedian?" Uh, I would say Ali is one of the funniest people I know. Mm, but, yeah. uh, it goes way back to what you said about your pals. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you'd want to stand on stage with a microphone in your hand is is another matter. Yeah. I mean, I know Ali does a lot of chats and things like that, yeah. and he's brilliant at it. Yeah. And he's also the one of the most, if not the most, charismatic man I've yeah. ever come yeah. across. Yeah. But uh, as for standing one man, one microphone in the spotlight, uh, it's, it's a different game. It's something that you, me and Ray love to do. But Well, you, you guys like love to do you, it. Yeah, you love to do it. I'm not sure whether I do or not. I might, You'll I might, find out. I'll find out yeah. maybe before I turn 60 or something. So. <laughs> what, you're only giving yourself four months? <laughs> <laughs> Seems bold. Anyway, we're just about there. So, guys, I can't thank you enough. I've really, really enjoyed I've it. I've enjoyed it too. Yeah, it's been good fun. Yeah, yeah. And, I've, uh, I've really enjoyed being locked in a box while Fred coughs <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. He's What's pic- the podcast called? The Super Spreader Deluxe. <laughs> <laughs> the pic- picture of you look. The picture. I think of I've health. seen that film. <laughs> yeah. We'll all be in a smaller box than this before you know it. <laughs> so there we are. Fred McCauley, Ray Bradshaw, Laughter Unlocked. First ever episode, hopefully not the last. And uh, it's been a blast. Thanks very much, guys, for joining Thank me. Thanks for having us. 
The wonderful winter sale is now on at Harry Corey. Harry Corey. Prices are falling in every department. Duvet sets from only £7.50, pillows from only £6 and lined eyelet curtains from just £12.50. The Harry Corrie Winter Sale now on. Call in store or online at harrycorrie.com while these wonderful offers last. Harry Corrie, the curtain bedding specialists. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.